Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and welcome along to episode 59 of the Sofa Manager Scottish Football Podcast. Sorry there was a bit of a break uh, since the last one. I had to gather myself together after the the National Anthem incident. Um, if you're not sure what I'm talking about, listen to the, the episode before this one. And we also had to have uh, some summer holidays uh, away from football, uh, catch some sun. But anyway, we are back this week for episode 59 of your favourite Scottish football podcast and this week I'm going to be talking about the most important grudge match in the world quite possibly you think Rangers and Celtic is bad it's got nothing on this and they even let me play (laughs) Um, so we'll be talking about that a little bit we'll also be talking about do we give our players too much stick in 11 aside matches Uh, as it was my first return to 11 asides in a while Uh, my co-host tonight Andrew's picked up 11 asides again recently this year that's true Uh, we'll talk about the difficulties (laughs) of 11 aside football and whether all the stick we give players on this podcast uh, is certainly worth it we'll also be previewing our favourite competition that is the Europa League uh, and the sensational draw (laughs) <laughs> that came out for one of our three teams and uh, a little look ahead as well to Celtic and their Champions League as our seasons start in the next couple of weeks sadly uh, and we might touch on a little bit of this thing called uh, the World Cup competition as well uh, so we'll wait and see anyway I'm one of your hosts this evening in Scotland's ropiest announcer as fully proved in episode 58 it is myself Paul Menzies and joining me tonight uh, fellow co-host Andrew Hello. Uh, he will be the graduate as of tomorrow. Uh, so you can play that music <laughs> from the <laughs> film in your own head. Presented by none other than Annie Lennox. Lovely. Uh, which is very exciting. You thought of any crafty lines to feed her, Andrew? Absolutely not. Mm. Sleep well last night, Annie. Have some sweet dreams, perhaps. There we go. Um, so, without further ado, let's crack straight on. So... Uh, first things first, as per usual, I think we will uh, start with the news. Uh, so this week, <laughs> I think I'll start straight from the top by saying thank you. Um, it was my uh, uh, we had some posters made <laughs> for Sofa Manager this week um, with some very favourable comments. I've got the piece of paper right here. So thanks to the boys who sent me this. I'll pop it up on the screen just now <laughs> if you're on our video podcast. Uh, they wanted a wee sh- shout out. So uh, thank you, boys. I think Oscar, Liam, Dominic. Um, so that's the big news of this week. Also, uh, Kenny Miller uh, has just been announced in the last couple of days as the new Livingston manager. Um, which, you know, he's been ooing and about it what for a while. They gave him a deadline. Now he's gone for it in a, a sort of player-manager capacity. Um, player-manager isn't really a thing anymore, so I don't see his, his playing days lasting much more. But what do you think of this appointment, Andrew? Or disappointment, well, <laughs> some might see it. I feel like Livingston can get excited about Kenny Miller because he is... I, I don't know if they've went for him just because he's a good player. He's a good player. But at the same time, if you're going to be a player-manager, like... Falkirk had it with John Hughes and he'd subbed himself on sporadically but I think Kenny Miller's not done yet he's not done yet but I, his football manager came to like it seems to be like modern football seems to be loving this football manager image because Steven Gerrard Frank Lampard Kenny Miller yeah but they're they're not player managers either Frank no, or uh, know, Stephen it, it, does it not just show that like Scottish football's maybe sort of laughable at that point considering like no other English team could you name an English team with a player manager 
in say like the top three leagues um no but it, it's very different up here well yeah but, but is there, and like, you look at martin canning was a player manager at hamilton very, had alex neal as well i'll give you that and they very rarely played themselves so it, but it, does ken does ken miller have any coaching badges I don't know. No, but then coaching, like, yeah, but he would have to pl- claim himself as like a player coach. It's it's a for big some games because that's what Gerard has to do. It's a big name, and it was perhaps only they would get someone of of his caliber. Yeah, well, to the club. I, I saw Gary Holt was in the in the sort of circle there, and when he his time at Falkirk was well, <laughs> I mean, you had the Hibs game, which take, was his first take game. Take your navy blue tinted spectacles off. No, 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 no. But he he did well with Falkirk, though. And, he he's, did. and he's done what since. Uh, he's assisted at Norwich and wow. staying in the championship wow so nothing brilliant no. um, yeah I think it's interesting I think he could form you know a deadly partnership with Lee Miller up front in the in the Miller and Miller combo yeah but they play with, well <laughs> they used to play with three up front so we'll see how it goes well had more lucrative offers I thought he could have scored a lot of goals with people like Aberdeen Aberdeen um, that was especially even you know when the Hibs offer was on the table uh, I think it could have drop down to teams like St Mirren were offering them kind of more yeah. money and things so it's a risk from a lot of perspectives I've been hearing you know criminal investigations are pending he's still got a hearing to be heard or oh, for Rangers for Rangers well yeah. no there's a separate criminal issue as well apparently mm. um, so you know it could all fall to pieces but it's a safe job to take for your first job they fully expect that this will be a one season yeah. thing um, in the premiership so no pressure there they're out looking for more investment at the moment uh, so it's it's a safe bet for him. Yeah, uh, that's true. It's a shame there's probably no way back to Rangers from a, a management. Well, I mean, I don't uh, think he's ever going to be allowed back to Rangers in any form, unless it, they. Well, no, probably not. <laughs> Sadly, not. Um, elsewhere in the league, speaking of you know former Championship contenders, Falkirk's home kit uh, released last week. It's uh, hanging pride of place on my wall just there one of the first ones I've shelled actually the first one I think I've ever shelled out for with my own personal money um, it's it's that good looking yeah it's a really good design but sold out within just a couple of days it was it was a small order though well initially Andrew <laughs> this is a podcast we try and hype things up and go for the clickbaiting titles that's exactly the sort of clickbaiting I've never known you know, uh, well, not a back Scottish in, they're, they're football back in kit. Stock. They are back in stock now, but I've never known a Scottish football kit to to sell out so quickly. That's true. I think it's just the different design for ones because you usually just get like your simple templates that clubs use. They never really go for anything mm. sort of out there. Well, I think there's there's not really an excuse anymore. You know, everyone's gone for it yeah. in some sort of capacity. You know, Hibs have quite a fancy pattern on it. Russ County Russ County's kit this year reminds me of an American flag yeah a little bit which maybe reflects I think there's an American ownership there Um, so interesting there I'm surprised Dundee kind of didn't sort of follow the same path but with the technology available to us these days you know the sky's the limit Uh, and we should be pushing that uh, quite frankly (coughs) Aberdeen home kit hello but yeah I think I think at the moment Falkirk kit's probably the coolest one out there I've seen this season, yeah, I'm not. Well, I would say I'm not being biased, but I'm always going to be biased. Mm, I'm not being blown away. I like uh, Hearts have gone back to a more kind of retro Umbro theme. Yeah, uh, which is is quite smart. I mean, um, the colours came back, but they've kind of went away again. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's inspired us to get out. At least uh, we've been. Some people have been sending in uh, on Sofa Managers Instagram their kits throughout the seasons. Um, so if you do have your wee kit collection, get it out, get it pictured and send it to us. We'll post it up. We had a really good one from uh, Daniel today, a St. Johnston fan. 
uh, kind of trailed back a few years, but of course, you know, the 1970s retro kit was his favourite. Yeah. Um, and I think that's reflective of a lot of the, a lot of the fans out there. So clubs should capitalise, you know. Why don't we have like a retro week as like the NBA teams and things do? Uh, where well, you again, kind of come back with your different jerseys and things. It'd be expensive, but you know. I mean, it could be. Oh, it would be a bit different though. It would. You know, we all turn up to, you could have a 90s week. Perhaps you know with you know nineties I mean, rave not a disco, so we're not well, going to go there. Oh, but you could go further back. You could go to the sixties. Everyone would turn up with their flat cap, <laughs> like uh, like they do at the historic racing days, or uh, you know the kind of Great Gatsby <laughs> things and things like that. Old Why sport. not? Why not? Uh, anything that stops uh, flossing and dabbing um, oh, no. at our football stadiums is what I would argue for. Um, few signings to speak of this week, mainly surrounding hips. Dylan McGeeoch today confirmed at Sunderland. Um, as Jack Ross continues to build his uh, kind of Scottish footballing eleven yeah. uh, to bring them back up the leagues, uh, I find that a weird one though. He's a good player. Uh, I mean, if it wasn't like you've seen players go down to League One before and they've done all right, but I mean, looking at that for a move, it's not. If it was, if it was anyone else in Sunderland, I don't think he would have went because Sunderland, I know, like big club, the big big team, and I think the full restructuring of the club is really showing a little bit but I think he's going for the Scottish approach though yeah I think he's not going to change like how he did it in Scotland though well I know that's proved quite un- unpopular uh, you know with English fans down south especially if it's not worked out you've got these kind of Scottish dud players yeah I mean, you had Stephen that- Naismith is Norwich <laughs> sorry you had Alex Neil. Well, no Stephen Naismith does really well in my opinion well that's why Norwich uh, that's not- why Norwich have loaned him out for the full season to Hearts again yeah well no he's, he's flat now but when he was at Everton he was hmm. there was like oh, he was a great substitute yeah he was <laughs> I, I, I'm being serious though like there was time like, he played a like a belter of a game against Chelsea once hmm. but I can't really remember more than that but well, to be fair you had Alex Neil who went down and he did well for a bit mm-hmm. but then obviously it never worked out with him at Norwich because I don't really think he had the backing that he wanted yeah, well, he did, he did well. He, he kind of flew in the coattails there. Um, I think I think it's good though. Like you know, big club should do all right. But uh, Hibbs signing from down south as well. Remember Adam Bogdan? What was it? He had one game for Liverpool and he's had a protest from never to play again. I remember he was quite a good goalie for Bolton. Bolton yeah, at one point out in the sticks. Well, now he's back in between the did sticks. He not, did he not play against Scotland? And he like had a howler for who? Hungry. All oh, right, very possibly. Uh, I think it was hungry or bug. No, I think it was hungry. He's been the completely the forgotten man, but uh, Hibs have signed him, and I think they've been needing a more consistent goalkeeper because they kind of flip flopped. Well, yeah. Well, to be fair, you had the big polar bearing goals. Who? Marciano. No. Uh, who was the the cup final hero, semi final hero? Oh, the blonde guy. Yeah, it's not Lee Camp. Um, oh. I know the person you're speaking of. Oh yeah, you had him, but like he played really well for them in the cup final, mm. but he bottled it for them in league matches. Mm. So, I mean, he gifted Falkirk a goal when it just slid through <sighs> his legs. Well, you know, but I think uh, Marciano, who I think left them at the end of the season to go to some Israelis, was yep. their kind of main man. Cami Bell never really found his footing there. I mean, the bizarre deal with the. Uh, uh, Scott Bain never yeah. really panned out I, I don't know if this is a, a, a dead cert and one for the future but you know it works in the meantime that's true uh, and shows them up we'll come back to Hibernian a little bit later in our Europa League preview wait actually thinking about it it was was Bogdan at Bolton when Lennon was there 
may have crossed paths. Ah, that's a good point. That's maybe how he's come by him. Uh, he tried to get his Aguirre as well, but uh, he cited some agent problems or whatever. Ah. It's a raging excuse. He would have been a good sign-in, though. Uh, but anyway, stuff this professional football malarkey. Let's get to where the real deal was at. So, a little bit of narrative. Having spent five years at university and a further two years training, purposely, well, not really, but almost, for this very occasion to claw my way into what I would know as the most illustrious game in football. It had been eight long years since I last contested such an occasion, and I savoured every moment in front of literally tens of people <laughs> as I walked out onto the crusty astroturf, amongst the fans, the librarian and the cleaner. Can you guess what it is yet? It is, of course, the, the fateful end of year. I think every school does this. Pupils versus teacher fixture. <laughs> if you don't know, I am a, a school teacher uh, and this year volunteered myself to play in the pupils versus teacher match. So this was our topic <laughs> for this evening. A uh, few stories from the game. I played at left back. Uh, did quite well. Didn't concede any goals when I was on the pitch. So I thought, uh, job well done. Uh, but for the first time ever in my footballing career, I was booked. Booked in a pupils versus teachers. How seriously were they taking this? Simulation. Um, well, <laughs> I was furious because the referee, I think, who already had something against me quite blatantly. I was uh, pulled up for a shoulder-to-shoulder challenge. Uh, these young lads could not handle my, my pure strength that had been building for eight years for this <laughs> very occasion. Uh, so I was furious about that, and uh, as a ball was looped over the top, I was chasing back one of their quick strikers. It was going in towards the corner. So what I tend to do to put people off is just scream at the top of my voice. So I did that. This young lad panicked. Frankly, probably wet himself. <laughs> And he pulled up, and now he, he's in my way of the ball, so I, I merely pushed him, I thought, to one side. So you say you push him, well, you're not allowed to push. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say two hands were involved on his back. Well, that's exactly oh, what happened. There we go. So. <laughs> so he was pushed over, and yeah, the whistle blew up, and I remember running towards the corner and just saying, oh dear, that was a bad one, <laughs> to, the, to the tens of people literally gathered in that corner. Uh, but to my amazement, uh, the person I'd pushed over, the pupil, was the grandson of one of the cleaners, <laughs> actually spectating. <laughs> so a tyrant, a tirade of abuse <laughs> came my way, and I had to swiftly uh, exit to the changing rooms after the match, as I was, I was told to, <laughs> yeah, you better keep running. Um, in other words, I was in severe danger of a, a very hostile audience. Well, no, but I if must you think say, about it, like... Have you ever seen... Well, I've never heard of any incidents, but there must be at some point where a game like that's got ugly. Like, if you go to, like, the sort of rougher areas... Well, there like, was a few... The teachers were no holding back. Oh, no, but you a don't... A few even, challenges, really I was like, good grief, like, that was two feet, you know. I was I was calling for my own players to be booked. It was that bad. Oh, yeah, but if you look at some of the teachers, once you get older, like, some of them would just do it for a bit of fun. And then it's like... It's like in PE when you played hockey. Hmm. If you played it with people that didn't know how to play it, you're you're very likely no, you're going to snap a shin. Nobody knew how to play hockey. No, we but went, like so. there's some people that would just swing it. So like hmm. some people with their legs will get clumsy and they'll just start flying. Well, the, the problem we had is we played it on an evening where it was kind of between 33 and 35 degrees Celsius. Lovely. And having not played 11 size, I know I've been preparing quote unquote in commas uh, for this for eight years, but. Once I'd sprinted, there was just no recovery happening. It oh. was just 
nothing. It was just sweat and heat. And uh, whilst I did my defensive role, I think quite well. I thought my positioning was quite good. I had the pace to kind of cover anything. You still got the pace. Still got the pace. It was noted by some of the pupils, actually. They they, they told me that my pace was burning. (laughs) Or at least that's what I heard in my dehydrated state. I'm not entirely sure. However, offensively, I was just like, nah. (laughs) I was just walking. And I think that's maybe what let me down as well. I had the position and I did my job well. I think, you know, heading clearances and stuff like that. Yeah perhaps didn't get quite the dribbling going that I wanted to, didn't get quite the passing and I think just the composure when you're in that situation because you need to get used to it again you do, because there's a lot like there's times where like say if you play five a side you've got time with the ball to think well, about there's only it, nine other people there, there's 20 people, yep. you know but you're only playing ten a side well, the goalkeepers don't really yeah, care. They do. I must commend the janitor, by the way, who w- might as well have been Jan Luigi Buffon. <laughs> uh, we only lost two goals to nil, but it was some of the most sensational goalkeeper because that's what usually lets you down in these games yep. is the goalkeeper. That was tremendous. Um, but I, it was it kind of led us onto the topic of whether we're kind of too critical <laughs> of players on a week in week out basis. Because uh, one of the questions I was going to pose to you, Andrew, you've started playing what kind of amateur Sunday league yep. uh, football again recently. In that, what's the difference between you and a professional footballer? Well, you get snapped more. It depends what kind of player you are, though. Well, what I'm asking, what's the difference between you and a pro? What there's a, there's, there's genuinely, if you're not in professional and you're in. If you even just watch juniors, look at their strikers. You don't like a roundabout answer to be. I should be a professional. No, no, no. I'm actually it's, so good, but I decided no, totally, not to ply my trade at professional. It's totally level. different. It's the, too lo- mainstream. the lower down you go, the less pace you see, because you'll always have like a big striker who'll put themselves about and someone behind that can just shoot, hmm. and that's about it. Like, there's, you're not going to get people that can do a lot of things, right? Because you're always going to have like either like a fat midfielder that knows how to use his weight. Or you're going to have someone that's like overly eager. This and properly literally fit. answers no points of my question. What's your questioning? <laughs> Why aren't you a professional footballer? Oh, right. Um, hindered at a young age. <laughs> I think, I think a number of, for me, I think composure on the ball is definitely one of them, but then that comes kind of through experience and stamina. <laughs> just I think my, stamina. my fitness is fine, but I just don't have mm. the ability, really. Do you enjoy it, though? It depends. Oh, <laughs> it depends who's on the park and how much you're getting beat by. I, th- I think for me, I I loved being back out there, but I'm quite a I'm quite a humorous fellow, I would say, and I quite enjoy the drama of just winding people up. And the the funny thing was, I'm always going on at footballers like, why do they get up after a foul and moan at the referee? There's nothing yep. they were going to do. Although when I was blown up for the perfectly legitimate shoulder barge, I was like, what? Yeah, but it's just because you see other people do it. That's you, why you get get into you're it. You're so angry and the blood's flowing, and eventually, I did. So, but they don't do that in rugby, though. No, they don't. That that's more of a more of an aggressive sport. So why do they not do it? But why do we do it? Yeah, but it got to the point where I was calling for my own teammates to be booked. Their challenges were so you're obviously not a very good teammate. But then it's banter. I don't. Oh, it's banter. Or was it? I don't take things that seriously, and that gets me into trouble in competitive sports because you do have people on the sideline who will just. You know, be laser focused. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, what's the problem, bro? And I'm like, okay, shut yeah. up. <laughs> you <laughs> definitely just... shouldn't say that Sunday league because someone will stick the nut in you. Well, per se. it's not very wise, but uh, 
Hi. <laughs> Enjoyed that. I almost enjoy being on the sidelines more because it gives you a chance. Well, yeah, I, I much yeah, prefer yeah. like fives to elevens because, you know, if, like if you put me in a tighter space and I don't need to think about it, I'm fine. But if you put me in a one-on-one, I can't do it. Hmm. Well, uh, as I say, lost the game 2-0. Uh, where was the last time you played the staff, actually? Staff when I was in high school. Ooh. Fifth year? Fourth? You're on the fifth, opposite fifth, side. Fifth year. Right. And we won like 3-0. See, I remember when we played the teachers, we got beat, but we were never a very good football team. Well, when no, we warmed up, we always used to practice crosses, and we would never do that in the actual match. Did you not get to like, the Scottish Cup quarters <sighs> when you played in that team? No, well, you're not on the B team, but barely. you made it quite far. Uh, so I joked with Walter Smith once about being a goalkeeper. It never, <laughs> never panned out, and here I am in front of a microphone. <laughs> um, I mean, when, once you're five foot, what, seven? And you're not exactly going to have a great... Well, much like the Nigerian... The no, Kawashima, I, not, Japanese goalkeeper. There was Ivory Coast goalkeeper in FIFA who was five foot seven. I'd be a good women's goalkeeper, I'd, I'd say that. <laughs> uh, but I'm very comfortable with my, my defensive position these days. You better hope you don't announce another female football game. <laughs> well, again, let's tune into episode 58. Let's move on from that. <laughs> uh, but it leads me to say, you know, which... Which departments at the school are the best footballers? Well, so obviously your first reaction would be go to say like PE. PE. It's not uh, though. But the PEs were woeful at shooting. Yes, they were very athletic. Yeah. And I'll give them that. Shooting was awful. Absolutely awful. Don't know what they're teaching their kids. But well, it can be like good. maths teachers for their angles. Social subjects. Social subjects. Social subjects did well. What, so people that really couldn't be bothered teaching an actual subject, so they went for social mean? subjects. Geography and history, and these are the most interesting subjects at a school. Me. They have the most substance, the most culture. They they are essentially the foreign footballers of the game, if you think about it. Very much, you know, the the Italians or the the Spaniards. Well, you had the, the skill, the flair. One of them was an Argentinian centre half who <laughs> kept going through people, but you know. There was once where I think it, there was like an Italian substitute teacher in our school, and there was a full rumor that went about. It's like, oh, he played for Roma's B team. Once. He never. Does. Of course he didn't. Yeah, he but never. again, there's always obviously someone that starts this, and it just floats she, she about. Very like, When we went to school, the motivation was to be like Tam Scobie. Yeah, but Tam Scobie was an absolute hero. Well, he wasn't really at the time, and still remains not so now. He's so a phenomenal footballer. He's an absolute motivation. inspiration to everyone that ever wants to be a defender. I must also commend. The science department. The science. Com- Wait, do, so you're commending yourself? Well, I, I'm not specifying what subjects I teach, but we combined excellently um, and ha- had the best of everything. <laughs> I would say had the best of everything. This we throw in some form of joke. No, <laughs> nothing to do with your chemistry. No, no, okay. no. Ah, oh, team chemistry. That's good. <laughs> um, we do have a teacher at the school who uh, runs a wee moth club. They were inquiring whether he would play moth. Club. Moth club, yes. Like, they're, as in the... They're very beautiful. You you think, oh, moths are just annoying. No, but how can you have a moth club? Well, you what? catch them and you look at different ways. Oh, you but catch them? Well, yeah. How, how do you do that? Well, I'm not going well, to there's, there's a trap. There's lots of... You put them in the fridge. One of the <laughs> pupils' parents was very angry about this. But anyway, the, they are much like beautiful butterflies, but the joke with that was he would play on the wing. Ah. Of course. But dum dum So right in if you, you enjoyed that. Uh, what other departments did we have? Ah, the Jannies uh, put in a good shift. What about the English teachers? Or is that mainly No, just... it didn't turn up. Are they not there for... Uh, they would have been too busy play-acting and diving anyway. Same mm. with the drama department. No. Uh, which would have been quite handy. Any music department out with the Vuvuzelas? No, no. Or even doing the announcing would have been quite handy. True. Uh, and if you had a Mexican one, they'd come up with an acoustic guitar, cowbell. Well, the Mexican wave. That's true. That uh, was, that was that, what was that big thing at the World Cup? Was it Germany? Or was it 2000? 
was it South Africa? What? The Vuvuzelas? No, 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 the, the Mexican wave. Yeah, that was at the World Cup in Mexico, Andrew. Hence, the Mexican wave. No, 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 but like, I'm talking more recently. Oh, good grief, okay, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> it's been done uh, all over the world from then on. So there we go. Uh, a fun time had by all, and I look forward to to pitting my wits against <laughs> the pupils again next year. I'm hoping to be more prepared as I was... Uh, Acutely unprepared <laughs> in terms of fitness, but again, no goals conceded, and I've got uh, no black marks down my the back of my Paris Saint Germain shirt because I like to throw myself about. What what astroturf was it? Uh, it was like middle of the road astroturf. So like four G, three G. I think I it had pellets. Oh right, so like was it really short? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So as as long as it wasn't like the sandy one. No, not that's sandy. horrible. Sandy. She's she's away in Greece anyway. Eh. <laughs> uh, our next topic uh, is there anything we want to talk about World Cup wise? Uh, well, you had Japan with their my magical, poor, poor, my poor little Japan. Just as we talk, spoke about Kawashima, the small goalkeeper, yep, brutally punted out by those nasty, nasty Belgians. That's true. Three two. I was gutted, absolutely gutted. They were my the, one of my teams. The, se- the second goal by Japan was an absolute belter. Do you know what? It was in, in sharp contrast to the other knockout game where Russia managed to kind of. Scraped by Spain, yep. but Russia were just an incredibly poor football team. Every time they tried to punt the ball north, there was just no quality in terms of the ball, in terms of the first touch, in terms I mean, of possession. All, I'd love to see the average age of that like first team because it, it must be in the thirties. But then you compare and contrast that with the relative underdogs in this case, Japan, who were playing wonderful triangles. I think arguably had the better of the play during the match. Yeah, but then Belgium, I think as soon as they brought on like Fellaini, it was just... They just had a height advantage. It was, uh, you could see the big difference because like, obviously the Japanese people aren't known for being the tallest. Well, Yoshida is a pretty big unit. Uh, yeah, but he's... Like, aside from that, no, I see Aside from point. that, like, you've still got Fellaini. What, what's his six foot five or something? And that astro, uh, that afro just like gets in your way. It's annoying though. You, you see these kind of beautiful footballing teams just being powered by these bigger, more powerful sides. Yeah, but um, I mean, like, w- can you really say there's been any beautiful football at this World Cup though? Like at the quarterfinals, maybe, but no, the, the last thirty-two. Sorry. <laughs> well, I think I think everyone's massively uncomfortable. I also think teams are actually now quite happy to play for extra time. There's quite a few things we've seen. I think if you just if you look at like the South African World Cup. Mm. There were shots flying in left, right, and centre. People didn't care. They wanted to score for their country. But if you look at it this year, like everything in football seems to be a lot more structured, which is like boring. Again, from a, like watching it from a viewer standpoint, it's not interesting. It, it's getting a bit samey. And yes, I see your point. Like, you know, where you can just now break teams down by just defending and two yeah, banks of four or like, six or eight. Like fair enough. Like you've got like Uruguay are defending brilliantly, but. On the counter-attack, it's either Suarez or Cavani that turns up. It's never both of them. And if both of them turn up in one game, I think they might have a chance oh, of winning Suarez it. Suarez has been, has been relatively mince. Yeah. Uh, but I would say, see one thing maybe to put them off extra time and penalties, because that's what they're all kind of waiting for. Yeah. I think we should mix it up. We should have, along with this new VAR we've introduced, which I'm quite enjoying. They've used it a bit less in the knockout phases because I think it's been a bit controversial. But um, if we were to have just a pot with three different outcomes... So we could go to extra time. Yep. We could go straight to penalties, or we could go to golden goal, which would have the length of extra time, because golden goal often didn't work oh, at yeah, the time it, because it, it puts the pressure on. In that they don't know if they're going to go straight to penalties, so that in the ninetieth minute they're not just sat sitting there 
waiting yeah. for extra time which is what I commend Japan for doing today they got to the 93rd minute had a corner they thought let's go for it and then they bottled it well they didn't bottle it Belgium scored in the counter attack where Luk- yeah, like- Lukaku who'll claim he deliberately left it he had a mince game as it yeah. stood uh, I mean was he not partially injured though <sighs> But I, 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 I genuinely him. think they should have given Batshuayi a chance again. Because oh, I mean, favorite moment, favorite moment, kicks the ball at the time. I saw it when Belgium scored. I saw him crack the ball off the post and hit him in the head. And I said to my mates who I was watching there at the time, I was like, "That happened. Yeah, that legitimately happened. They're going to show it in the replay." And they kept cutting off. I'm like, "Who's not seen this? Did you see him? Ten minutes? Did you see him on Twitter though? What is it? Who needs your Fortnite celebrations? And it's just the video of him hitting it off the post and hitting him pretending in the to be some sort of banter lord. I know he, he, is, he is hilarious. He tried desperately to get one of those FIFA cards for like most of the year. I think he did. Um, he did eventually. But <laughs> did, I'm putting money on he doesn't run his own Twitter account. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows in this day and age? But uh, it's it's really hard to pick a, a kind of front runner for Belgium. Well, just just in the whole tournament, like who's actually standing out? Who's just going to steamroll this competition? Well, no, because they but drew they, with Denmark. Yeah, but before then, they were just they were probably. I genuinely uh, thought they had a chance of like, but again, once they went down, but it's all right off. I'd still say Uruguay's probably because. But they they have no one behind the attack. They they there's no names there at all. Cavani and Suarez. Yeah, but behind the attack. No, but they don't need a midfield or a defense. No, they've got a defense. Who? Godin and Jimenez. Who's Jimenez? Oh, the Athletic no, no, Athletic Madrid. Madrid. Well, like their def- their defense is tight. I don't know the fullbacks. And, and the, no, the, the left the left back's really good as well. Well, uh, I don't uh, I don't fully rate them. I've I've been wound up by a lot of the punditry. The punditry, I mean, feels a bit tired. I'd love if someone just like broke it down to like you know say like it's two days before an England game. Hmm. How many times in a commentary will they try and relate anything to England? Like I'd love just for someone to just account up how many times they say England in it, well, because BBC claimed to be an unbiased. Yeah, but they're the only home nations team that are in it, so okay. it's it's hard not to focus on that. But I think my frustration is that a lot of the time they compare about the experience of these national teams at international competitions, and they'll refer to results in the past and stuff. I'm like, that has no relevance. No, that's I think that's one of the big problems with why we don't see good football at these tournaments is because they're all so nervous. They're coming out playing three games yep. in different stadiums in different cities in a totally new surroundings. Mm-hmm. If you fluff up, you've had it, you're out. Which is crazy because you see them in tears after three group stage games and you think, that's that's nuts. Yeah, but you've got teams like like Iran were a bit of a shock for this because they almost knocked out yeah, they Portugal. Had no, they had literally nothing to lose. I think they, they were the first team ever in the World Cup to not have a single shot and win a game. What, on penalties? No, no. Uh, remember the first game? Did they get a penalty? No, uh, it was an on goal. Oh, right. So they didn't have a single shot. Not count as a shot. Well, I must. I have. mean, by not by the team. Statistically. Um, I it's not fully gripped me. I did get into that Japan Belgium game today because I was supporting Japan. Oh well, yeah, but like there, there there has actually been decent games now though because the French game was really good because Argentina watch, didn't come the back French and they made it a little bit interesting, but. Uh, two brilliant goals from Pavard and Di Maria you can't deny that but then uh, France could be a shout a lot of people are talking about Brazil um, as well yeah, everyone's saying it's our year for England you can write that off right now um, the thing is like the more you look at it England have got like the easiest run that they could possibly get and yeah, but then I'm slightly like 
if you looked at the way Japan played today, they, they could have beat England <laughs> for part of the game. Oh, I just I just saw that Kaizuki Honda free kick just going straight into the left corner. It was a sensational free kick. So many players I like there, but uh, no, sadly out, so I'm relying on France. So we'll see how that goes. We're going to have a, a bit of a World Cup special, I think, recorded later on this week. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Anyway, <laughs> back to our shores. Well, kind of our shores. The draw was made for European competition in the last couple of weeks, the Europa League. Uh, so Rangers get uh, Scoopy of Macedonia. Uh, did you not do a primary school project in Macedonia, Andrew? No, I did a... Pre- oh, Malta. Malta. There you go, sorry. So you're not that helpful there. Hibernian got Runovic. Do you know where they're from? Go for like some, one of the Nordics. Yes. Uh, not Sweden. There's lots of Egyptian kings on this island. <laughs> the Faroe Islands. Faroe, oh, oh. <laughs> come on. Um, is Faroe Nordic? Yes. Is it? Faroe Islands. Uh, so Aberdeen, of course, get a, a similar calibre of opponent going into the second round. Burnley. That was one of the best Twitter reactions I've seen in a while. Are you having a laugh in that the second hilarious. qualifying round of the Europa League? They are so angry about that. They wanted to go abroad so much. Well, <laughs> and then they're stuck going to Aberdeen. It's uh, You're going to get absolutely decimated well, because you do not have a striker. Well, Adam Rooney, who was linked with Dundee United earlier in the window, which shows you how encouraging that is. Yeah. Uh, well, that is one thing I think about Aberdeen going into the Europa League qualifiers is they've they signed a couple of players. Was it like there was there was one boy you're giving a bit of hype about? Oh, I think it was a striker. Well, it's uh, Stephen Gleeson. Yeah. Uh, Where's he from? Irish internationalist played with Ipswich. Twenty nine. Uh, I don't think he's going to light the world on fire. A holding. No, but the thing player. is, if you look, hold on, a holding midfielder player was not really. What we were after, and again, yeah, it was striker. It was a bit of firepower. Yep. He's lost players like Christie over the summer, and again, they're going into these. Been speaking to a few Aberdeen fans about it, and they are going into these Europa League qualifiers unprepared. Yeah, uh, they've kind of skated their luck in previous years, but it's not going to fly. No, because I think you needed like Adam Rooney's times coming to an end, and I think you needed another Adam Rooney. So just get a failed Championship striker who's about to fall. All off, what, Nicky, Nicky Maynard. No, but you tried that. Yeah, you tried that, but it worked with Adam Rooney. It failed with Nicky, Nicky Maynard. But I genuinely think you need just to take a chance at it again. Oh, they needed more of a strategy. I mean, Stevie May was an absolute flop. Well, have, but that, wait, have you still got him? That doesn't matter now. He didn't play in European competition last year. No. Um, so yeah, ill prepared for this fixture. If you had followed us on the Instagram. Aberdeen's turnover figures represent 8% of what Burnley make mm-hmm. uh, and Burnley actually make more profit than Aberdeen actually take in so their turnover so if you took all the money Aberdeen take in yep. that's like Burnley's profit and some more which is ridiculous yeah. uh, however you look at the squad name me three Burnley players Chris Wood, Roy Brady Chris Wood He's still there, yeah, Robbie Brady. Andrew Gray's not there, Tom Heaton. But they're not. They're not a who's who. Is Lowton still there? footballers. Yeah, Lowton, but then they're no. No, but the thing is, like, the way Burnley have done it, I think Sean Dyche, like... They got supremely lucky last year. No, but, like, Sean Dyche, instead of, like, investing in players at the time... Uh, he what was it? I saw I saw it in match of the day once. He basically put the full investment into like a lot more like training based things. They got a new training ground. They really went for it, but he was all for keeping all the same players together. 
Yeah, well, it is a consistent. And who's side. oh, who's the centre mid? Uh, they've got Johan Goodmanson, no. uh, Icelandic player, uh, along with uh, De- Stephen Defour, is it? Defour, no, but there's a there's an English boy that. Belgian no, I'm sorry, I was thinking about uh, I was thinking about Bournemouth there. That Arthur. No, he's he's not a very good footballer, but Burn- uh, Bournemouth actually made him look good. I think there's a there's a slim chance for Aberdeen because you know I mean you've got nothing to really f- well I mean when I say fear I mean you look like you're going out so you might as well just go for it well time will tell Aberdeen have a friendly against West Brom which is now I think a particularly helpful uh, fixture for them and we've seen the likes of West Ham go out and really struggle um, you know to these teams in Europe that we might but be expecting these teams are not going to be at full strength so. I'll go in with a healthy dose of optimism, but yes, as you say, I was a little bit sceptical. Yep. Uh, of course, more coverage to come of that in the uh, weeks to come. You want it? Uh, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Uh, next fixture. Speaking of uh, trying to do difficulty on Premier League teams, this team actually got a draw off of Fulham in uh, qualifying for the competition in 2011, which I think is the year that Fulham went to the final. Um which is very, very exciting. And that is Runovic uh, of the Faroe Islands. Really? Got a draw off of Fulham. They were subsequently beaten, uh, and the only other team they've beaten in Europe have been a Georgian side and Linfield. Yeah. Um, the town has a population of 3,794, which could what you comfortably fit into Hibernian's South Stand. <laughs> the entire population of the town. It fit into anyone's main stand mm, anyone's main stand but yeah. not, not their not their, not their yeah. small end stand um, I think Hibernian probably the most likely of these three teams to make it out the European uh, or the Europa League qualifiers in my yeah. mind well, I think I, they're the strongest team at the moment I'd love to see it but like, I mean Aberdeen, Aberdeen I think their time's up you're going to start dropping a bit. You're not well, going to consistently go for a second. No, we've um, we've 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 said that. You know, we've we've very much written Aberdeen off as over the curve, but we've said that so many times on this podcast. Yeah, Hibernian uh, have kept a strong, relatively strong side together. They've lost McGeoch. It looks like McGinn could be a bit floaty, mm-hmm. uh, but they've made sure of the likes of Florian Camberry. I think uh, Jamie McLaren still a strong possibility if that's not already been confirmed. Yeah, well, I mean, he never did anything in the World Cup, so I don't really see how that's going to. Like, if he played in the World Cup, he would have done really well, but. Yeah, would have valued him a bit more. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a strong side, stuck together, well managed, um, you know, should easily breeze by. You know, these Faroe Island team, um, and I, th- I think definitely because of that togetherness, they've just been such a strong, almost cup side. That's true. For like a one-off performance, they probably were the strongest team in the league last season. Well, I mean, they always played well against the big teams, though. But then that's that's what this competition's about, yeah. Ish. Um, so I would I would tip them highly. We'll keep an eye on them uh, throughout these qualifying stages, and then Rangers playing Scooby. In Macedonia, uh, they have never qualified for the competition before, so very much an unknown quantity. Um, and what else? Scoopy, well, if they beat Scoopy, they go on to face Rosenborg of Norway, that's I done. believe. They're not going to beat Rosenborg. Well, very c- contrary to the Hibernian setup of the kind of togetherness yep. and sticking together, Rangers have very much gone for, again, the scattergun. Uh, transfer approach, and this is a it's a new look setup. Yep. Uh, for them going into these fixtures, you know, it'll be Steven Gerrard's kind of first competitive fixtures. There's a lot of hype around him, a lot of belief. He's 
saying all the right things. Uh, but, you know, will they be able to butter the bread? I mean, we're going to find out. I, I like The thing is, I want to see them do well, but at the same time, I can't. I mean, they could be our only hope. Um, signings have been very up and down. People like, you know, Nikola Katic. We don't really know. There was a guy that came in from France today. Yep. Very much an unknown quantity. Another but then again, there was... Back as well. oh, yeah, it just, was a I think they're just and, sort of picking and choosing but yeah, there was randoms. A, there was a lot of hype about that. Like, oh yes, we're getting Tom Dallison in from Brighton. It's like, well... No Tom Dallison's Falkirk. Oh, sorry. Um, who was it they brought in? Goldson. Goldson, it? yeah. Connor Goldson. Um, a lot of hype around that and I was like well he's, he's not played they weren't that interested in him no but I think Rangers needed centre backs that wasn't Bruno Alves because <sighs> but these aren't these aren't the quality or these aren't uh, the players that are the quality that are going to challenge Celtic they, they are hoping yeah. they're going to be and I, I get that that's where they, they kind of are I think Rangers that. just need to stop rebuilding every year well they'll find themselves in a lot of trouble because there's 10 million every window at the moment yeah and if, the, if they let Steven Gerrard go which if he doesn't do well they will let him go by January and they'll put the money into someone else well again I've got a healthy dose of scepticism around Steven Gerrard like you know I mean he didn't do particularly well with the young Liverpool team but looking at it it's a lot different once you come up because uh, what was it Zinazine and Dadani wasn't he wasn't outstanding with the B team but he did incredibly well the Real Madrid yeah, team but it's a totally no, I, different ball game because yeah. he didn't have to rebuild anything Rangers aren't Real Madrid no you know, they, but Steven Gerrard can be put his name could be put up there with that kind of caliper of teams but Rangers could, cannot, could be very much put down and that would ruin his, um, his if, hopes for if things he fails like Rangers at, yeah, if he fails at Rangers I think he's done I think uh, this fixture has the potential to be a banana skin more so than the Hibernian fixture because you know Macedonia it's really hot out there uh, conditions they won't be that familiar with and it is quite a long journey yep. uh, to the opposite side of Europe and you know the record goes against them mm-hmm. um, in the Luxembourg fixture last year none of us hope for that because it g- destroys our coefficient it really does uh, and th- although England's coefficient must be in the tubes if they're coming in at the second qualifying round as well no but was it not oh, oh that's true actually and a lot of people said it's because they got it for the league, not the cup win. And I'm like, well, even if they got the cup win, surely they would have gone on at the same stage anyway. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting there. They won't be that keen. Uh, I know I was reading up on things like the Intertotal Cup today and how unkeen people were on things like that Yeah. Uh, back in the day. So uh, fingers crossed. Celtic uh, are going to Estonia, are they? I think so. Uh, so yeah, we'll assume that they'll be fine. <laughs> um, yeah, haven't looked into them. It's not going to be a red imps again, please. <laughs> Hopefully not. But it's it's the most interesting time of year for me because again, you know, we're playing these unknown teams with these great stats of like a population of three thousand or once drew with Fulham. Yep. You know, Burnley. I think this is one of their first forays into Europe. Um, first ever, is it not? Could it be? So no interesting stats behind them. Uh, similar size team to Aberdeen, they'll get similar-ish attendances. It's not a million miles off. I mean, it's not a million miles off, but I think Burnley are just on the field. It's totally different. We'll wait and see. We will wait and see. We wish all our Scottish teams well. Yeah, but speaking of those type of fixtures, it's time to resurrect something again. I don't think we've done in a while. It is the quiz. <laughs> So, this week's quiz is a quiz about Scottish teams playing English teams. 
uh, across a number of competitions. So it's, uh, I think I've got one multiple choice question, the, the rest you'll have to answer yourself. Okay. Andrew, very much aimed at you, no pressure. Uh, play along at home, uh, comment below with your score out of four. Score out of four, hashtag, four, huh? hashtag that. Mm. Um, so, question number one. When was the last competitive fixture between an English and Scottish side in the Europa League or UEFA Cup? And who was it, if you know that? When was the last competitive fixture between an English and Scottish side in the Europa League or the UEFA Cup? How feeling the English team's going to be Everton? Nope. Mm-mm. Was it Hearts? Yes. Tech. Who did they play? West Ham? No. Uh, fixture was in 2012. You're getting no points for this now. Well, did Hearts not draw with them then get beat? They got beat and then they drew. That was it. Uh, <laughs> wasn't it's not like Arsenal or anything. Uh, of a similar caliber. Oh, similar, it's not Liverpool. Liverpool. Yes, Hearts versus Liverpool in 2012. Uh, they lost the first leg one nil, uh, and were leading the second leg at Anfield one nil before a late equaliser by Luis Suarez. Right, but my question is, Luis Suarez rounded. Which player to score that goal in the final minutes, the final three minutes, I believe? Jamie McDonald. Jamie McDonald, correct. Jamie McDonald was the Harks keeper there. Well done if you got that. Question three. Who was the last English side to be defeated by a Scottish side in Europe in the Champions League or the Europa League? Man City. When? Against Celtic last two years ago. Was that not a draw? Might have been. The article I looked at was from 2016, so it might be a bit, it might be a bit out of date. I don't remember Celtic beating Man City. Yeah, they did. They got very close to it, didn't they? They might have drew, but I could be wrong. Because I remember, who was it that played? Someone played really well on that day. Hmm. I think it was Dembele. Was it not? Or was it two? I think Claudio Bravo had a howler. Was it two years ago? When did I stay in the flat? I thought, yeah, it was when I stayed in the flat in Glasgow. This was when Leicester, the, the season after Leicester won the league. No, I think they drew 3-3. Oh, right. Um, so if it's not Manchester City... So is, it, is it Celtic? Yes, Celtic were the team. Who right. were they played in? Who, uh, who was the English team was the question. Oh, so, Manchester United. It was. Yep. Tick. Was that, uh, Nakamura's free kick. 2006-2007. Shoneseki Nakamura, the scorer. Uh, of course, our favourite Japanese Celtic player. Um, and question number four. That was one of the four. best free kicks I think I've ever seen. He was a brilliant player. Absolutely brilliant. We miss that sort of calibre in the Scottish League now. Uh, final question. Question number four. West Brom narrowly defeated which Scottish Championship club in 1969-70 season Cup Winners' Cup competition? Right? So this is a multiple choice. West Brom narrowly defeated which Scottish Championship club in the 1969-70 Cup Winners' Cup competition? Was it A, Dundee United? Was it B, Dunfermline? Or was it C, Greenock Morton? Dunfermline. Correct. In the Cup Winners' Cup quarterfinals? Yep. What on earth was that? Why have I never heard more about this triumph? Well, no, but if you look at... If you go back, like, Dunfermline were a much bigger team. Nobody... Else around them's done anything like that, apart from Dundee United, I suppose. Oh yeah, but if you if you look at like even if you just go back in Scottish football, like we like 
you had teams like Third Lanark who were really, really good, but then they fell off. Yeah, but they didn't play in Europe. No, but you didn't really have European competitions back then, though. Wait, you, you did. I think St Johnston once played like Borussia Mönchengladbach. Did they? And things like that. Hearts got really far in the AFA Cup. Semi recently, Aberdeen got to the last 32. But Hearts did really, really well one year. Uh, and were actually the first ever. British team to get out of the UEFA Cup group stages. Really? Yes. How many, how many years ago that was, ago was that? Like 2003 or something like yeah. that. Um, and then qualified for the Champions League subsequently. Uh, ish. I don't think they ever played in the group stages. Well, yeah, but... Uh, but quite remarkable. Um, so yeah, that rounds off our quiz. I think you got three out of four. Uh, two and a half. Yeah, <laughs> we'll I, got call Cel- it I got the Celtic one wrong. Two and a half out of four comment below what you managed um, in the comments but yes very much looking forward to European football we've got uh, the Betfred Cup starts back in the next fortnight or so uh, Falkirk kicked that off against uh, Montrose uh, at home I believe so very exciting there we'll see if they've kept the same players yes it'll be all new and what we're keeping our fingers crossed for I think is a dismal display because that bodes well for the league yeah <laughs> but Montrose last season I saw the team of the year they got promoted and every single I think it was every single defender and goalkeeper like the goalkeeper and all four defenders were all from Montrose yeah. so that just tells you how they won it the league Sean Dillon um, Sean Dillon did really well a name from Montrose a very, very strong side in league two last year uh, going up to league one there's um, a surprise drop for him though from the championship all the way down what Montrose yeah, I don't remember Montrose. No, from Dillon to oh, go right. from the United all the way down. He, well, he never happened. Uh, I saw uh, John Baird moved to like Forfar and stuff as well. John Rankins went from Queen of the South down to Clyde. The thing is, if you want to play your football, uh, you've got to be shifting. Uh, so I will be interested to see that. I think we'll we'll do a wee bit of a, a preview of that next week. Uh, and of course, Sofa Manager is your number one spot for your comprehensive Betfred Cup reviews. Uh, anyway, I think that grounds us firmly to a halt this week, does it, Andrew? Sounds about right. So uh, I'd like to say a big thank you for listening from myself, Paul. Myself, Andrew. Oh, good. <laughs> and uh, we are now on uh, iTunes and Google Podcasts, so we're uh, nice and easy to subscribe to now. So uh, give us a subscription. Uh, give us a rating it'll help us a lot especially if you've made it this far sorry for (laughs) disturbing your ears that much Uh, but again thanks for joining us and have a good evening a good afternoon and a good morning bye bye bye